Miss Robin. Take your Bibles if you would this evening. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 this evening. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And we'll look at verse number, starting with verse number 11 this evening. Verse number 11. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fresh fleshly lusts, which war against your soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or to the governor's as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. And as free, and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Father, we thank you for tonight again. Thank you for your word, how precious it is, how, how many wonderful promises we see in it, I pray again that you would help us, Lord, Lord, uh, that we would focus now just these moments we have together uh, during this time, Lord, that you'd help us to focus our attention on your word. And may we ask ourselves, how can we, how can I grow? How can I change? How can I be better in my relationship to God and my relationship to other people? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the sober realities of the Christian life is that every Every believer, every person lives in a sense in a glass house. People, they see us. They see us. You cannot get away from it, even if you're a hermit. Something, somebody's watching you. Something's watching you. Somebody's watching you. And that's the reality of life. Uh, you go grocery shopping. You go out, even out, out and about to work. Uh, wherever you go, to some degree, the world is watching uh, Christianity, unfortunately, uh, most of the time does not have a very good picture of Christ. Christians, we as Christians, don't do not have do not have a, a very good picture of, of Christ. If you watch anything on TV, and most of TV is not w- worth watching, they always downplay the Christian as the as the dumb guy, as the as the as the idiot in the in the in the room, as the one that's out of touch, as the one who's foolish, as the one's crazy. And that's just, that's just on ABC, CBS, and NBC. You go to those other channels, I can't even talk about what they say about Christians on those channels. Uh, I'm sure it's pretty bad. But it's just, that, that's reality. And unfortunately, we give them a lot of material. <laughs> we give them a lot of material. We say and do things, really, that is, that is shameful. They, the Southern Baptist did a report. Uh, and it was by an independent council of pastors staff members of churches uh, for the last 30 years in the areas of morality. I read through it. I didn't read through it in detail because if I read through it in detail, I probably wouldn't even be here right now. I'd probably be so brokenhearted. But so many of my comrades in arms have fallen to sin or some type of evil or wickedness. It is just, it's really a shame. It's really a shame. And a lot of these guys, it wasn't, and as I looked at it, it wasn't just Southern Baptist guys. It was independent Baptist guys. It was independent Baptist guys that I've known. It was independent Baptist guys that I've heard preach. 
He was independent Baptist guys that I've had sign my Bible. And they'd gone shipwrecked. So what do we do? How do we do? We say, well, that's, that's them. What about, about our lives? Because all, always somebody is watching. I was here just for a little bit this afternoon doing some few things, taking some things to a shed. And, and I was going outside that door right there, getting ready to walk outside. And there was this squirrel. He was right on the mat. And he was doing his little squirrely, jibby, jibbyous things that, that squirrels do. And I was watching him. But he could not see me watching him. Now, a squirrel, pretty attentive, pretty smart. You get anywhere near a squirrel, they're going to be they're gonna be gone, unless you're feeding them and you, you, you kept feeding them. But the squirrel, I, would, I could see him, but, but he could not see me. And that is, the, that is really the life of all of us. People are watching us and looking at our lives and, and, and making judgments, and we don't even know that they're doing it. So how, how are we supposed to live as Christians? How, how should we be different knowing we live in this type of world where people are watching us? Well, first of all, we see the, we, the duties as strangers, the duties we have as strangers. In, in, first, in first Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, we see so we, can, we have some definitions of words we want to look at. First word is beseech. Beseech, this word beseech, uh, it means it comes from, it means to, to call on one side in a tender way to comfort, to instruct, to beg, to encourage, to exhort, to strengthen. Peter, the apostle Peter is beseeching us. He's begging us. He's pleading with us as dear children. He says, I, I beseech you, I beseech you as, 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 as children, as strangers. We're a stranger, strangers. We've looked at this word stranger before. It means a foreigner, a, a resident alien, one who lives in a place without citizens. We, we are strangers here on this earth. This world is getting stranger and stranger and stranger to us. Those of you who lived a little while, who have gray hair or no hair, uh, you, you know this place is not like it used to be 20, 30, 40 years ago. Things have changed. Things have changed and they're changed. The winds are cha- of, ch- of time are, are changing. And, and we know the, the word of God tells us that things are changed. That in the last days, perilous times are come. People say, I, I want things to be like, like yesterday. And I understand that as an American. But as a Christian, I know things have to get worse. For Antichrist to come. And he is coming. It's sure, even more sure than you're sitting in your seat, Antichrist is coming. For him to come, things have to be chaotic. You say they're pretty bad. No, dear friend, they're nothing. They're nothing like they're going to be. They're nothing like they're going to be. But he's beseeching strangers. He's talking to us to be different. The world is different. Can we be different? Can we be different in the world? I read this testimony of this woman by the name of Susie Scott. Susie Scott was a playboy uh, Miss May centerfold uh, model. It says in 1983. But thank God a few years later she became a Christian when she was 29 years old. Her and her husband Joe Crackerbacker, what a name, founded Mercy and Sharing Foundation, an organization dedicated for helping the children of Haiti. 
She said, I thought I'd just gone down to Haiti. I'd pass out a few toys. I'd make a few promises. I'd get my name in the paper, and that would be all that would, that's all that would happen. Boy, was she mistaken. She went down there and fell in love with those Haitian people, started sharing the gospel with them. Now she's had, they, last time it was reported, they had over 2,000 orphan, orphaners, orphanages. Orphanages, thank you very much. People in the orphanage. Over 2,000 people. She went from someone who's doing wicked to somebody who's doing righteous. God can change anybody. God can change anybody. She said, I was born to do this work. I was, I was not put here to be on Playboy Centerfold. I was here to serve and glorify God. The Bible says that we're to abstain. The Bible says here to abstain. It says in verse 11 that we're to abstain from fleshly lust. The word abstain is derived from the word which means to hold oneself off, to refrain, to abstain. We have to say no. We have to say uh, no to our flesh. We have to, we have to not put ourselves in situations where we're, we, we're going to sin. If you, if you find yourself thinking about sin, the worst thing you could do is put yourself in a situation where you can sin. You have to abstain from it. Not only do you, you, you recognize you don't put yourself in that situation, you ask other people to hold you accountable. Get accountability. Uh, don't go near those places. Recognize where you, recognize where you struggle. Every one of us has areas in our life where we struggle spiritually. So those are, those are areas that we, we have to recognize that we could, we could fall, we could, we could struggle, because we're in a war. You're really in a war. It's a spiritual war. The word war here is a military war, meaning to make military ex expedition, to lead soldiers to war, to battle, to do military duty or fight. We're in a war. We're in a, we're in a battle. We're in a spiritual battle. The moment you get up to the moment you go, go to bed, you're in a battle. You may not have a machine gun or a machete, but dear friend, you are in a spiritual body, battle with unseen forces, with spiritual forces. Dio Moody said, one of our most intense battles is not with people around us, but with the passions within us. He said, I have more trouble with Dio Moody than with any other person I know. If we, sin, if we yield to sinful appetites, then we'll start living like unbelievers all around us. We will become ineffective witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, be, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He wants to destroy you. He can't take away your salvation, but he can destroy your testimony. Oh, how many Christians' testimonies has he destroyed? And a lot of time we put ourselves in a situation where we are allowing him to do so. So we see the duties as strangers, but secondly, the duties of submission. The duties of submission, verses 13 and 14. Verses 13 and 14, we see this word submit. We talked about this a little bit Sunday morning about our responsibility to authorities. It says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king or as, as supreme. The word submit here means to arrange under, uh, to, uh, under one's control, to yield to one's admonition or advice, to obey. The main idea is to relinqu relinquish one's rights to another person. Uh, and that's what life is. <laughs> Most of life is submitting. 
everybody in this room is under somebody. Amen? Everybody in this room is under somebody. We all have to submit ourselves, whether it be teenagers submitting themselves to their parents or, or parents submitting themselves to their employers or, or employers submitting themselves to the government. God has established the authority of the, of the home. He's established the, the government. He's established the government. He's, he's established the church. All three are forms of government. We, none of us should be rebellious. Rebellion should characterize our, our actions and attitude before salvation, not after salvation. Few should be the times in our life when we rebel against authority. And I shared those on Sunday morning. We rebel sometimes when we're told we're asked privately to sin. We'll rebel when we're asked to publicly sin. We, we may rebel when we're told not to, to stop doing something that is righteous. There are times when we might need to rebel. Without a rebellion, we wouldn't have the United States of America, right? So there is some righteous times to rebel. But it's not just every time things don't go your way. The boss says, be at work at 8. You said, no, nah, I think I'll go at 9. Well, I guess you'll be in the cheese line. <laughs> I mean, you can, you can be a rebel all your life, but that's just, that's just the way of a rebel is hard. It's just it's difficult. That's not the way God wants us to do. He wants to submit to the ordinances. This word ordinances means, talks about, uh, it does not refer to individual law, but to the institutions that make the enforce the law. It's possible for the Christian to submit to the institutions and still disobey the law, especially when man laws contradict God's laws. Obviously, we looked at several examples of that this last Sunday morning. We looked at Joseph and how he said no to Potiphar's wife. We looked at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how he, they said, he said no to Nebuchadnezzar. We looked at, at, at the life of uh, Peter, James, and John, how they said no to the, to the religious uh, government. Think about Daniel. Think about Daniel. We mentioned him, I think, last week and how he was told he couldn't pray. It was his practice to pray three times a, three times a day. And what happened? He, they saw him praying and they threw him into the lion's den. He was disobeying the, the ordinances that are there. And sometimes we have to do those things, but that is a sometimes thing. It's, that's a rare thing for the most part. Christians of all people should be known for their obedience. Christians of all people should be known for the obedience. Man at work, you should be known for your obedience at work. Ladies at work, you should be known for your obedience at work. Ladies at home, you should be known for your submission to your husband. It's the funniest thing in the world. A lady will say, I'm not going to obey my husband, but then she expects her kids to obey. That just don't work out, ladies. If you don't obey your husband, don't expect your kids to obey you. And men, if you don't obey God, don't expect your wife or your kids or your cat or your dog to obey you. They're not going to do it. You've got to live under obedience. If you're not obedient, you can't expect other people below you to be obedient. You have to choose it. You have to decide, what type of life am I going to live? We all live in this, in this glass house. What are the responsibilities of a Christian that we see here in 1 Peter? Some responsibilities. Well, first of all, I mentioned submission to the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience, sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Not only that, self-control. 
First Peter chapter 4 and verse 7, but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, watch and pray. Now we think of sober as, as not a drunk, but really the Bible uses the word sober meaning to be serious minded, sober minded. And that's when you're, when you're intoxicated, uh, when you're intoxicated with some type of drug, you're not, you're not sober minded. So we need to be, we need to be serious minded people. Uh, having a having self-control we need to shun sinful behavior the bible says in first peter chapter 2 and verse 1 wherefore laying aside all malice or evil and all guile wicked talking and hypocrisies being fake and envies and evil speaking those things should those things should not be a part of our life fourth we should show praise unto the show forth praise unto the lord first peter chapter 2 verse 9 you're a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. And fifth, we serve the Lord. We serve the Lord with, with our liberty in Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16, as free, not using our liberty or our freedom for a cloak of, mis, of maliciousness, a, a veil of evil, but as servants of God. So we've seen the duties as strangers, the duties of submission, but thirdly, this evening, the duties in splendid behavior as servants of God. Christians, we need to realize that some folks will slander or intimidate us to see how we will respond. You ever had that happen at your workplace? You know, you, you hang around people very long. They know where you're, they know where they can get you. Where they can, as they say, they get your goat. They know that they want buttons to press. Oh, you want to work? You want to go to church on Sunday? No, you're not going to go to church on Sunday. You're going to work on Sunday. You ever had a boss do that to you? you? Ever had some folks start talking bad, evil language around you, trying to trying to goad you into saying something you shouldn't say, get you mad, get you get you get you saying some words you shouldn't say? Well, we should we should recognize that. That's what the world is going to do. We are, we are to be doing well. The idea of doing well, what does this mean? It means to do something which profits others, to be a help or to a blessing to someone who cannot return the favor, to meet a high level of outstanding conduct. That's what we should be known as. Sometimes in situations that are difficult, we need just to walk away. The Bible says, he that keepeth his mouth and tongue keepeth his soul from trouble. Sometimes the best thing in the world is just to be, to, to be quiet. Why? Because our, our, our actions uh, say, say a lot. Our words say a lot. It, this word here means, to, this phrase, to put to silence, is interesting. It, hints as, uh, it talks about uh, the, the close of the mouth with a muzzle to make a person speechless, to silence or keep in check. Our good behavior, our good deportment, our righteous conversation of life should cause others, when they say, like they did about Daniel, what can we say evil about Daniel? Well, he prays. What can they say evil about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They don't bow down. What can they say evil about Peter, pa Peter, James, and John? They're preaching. Those are good things. Those are good things. When people have to say something about us, they should say, speak, if they're speaking the truth, only about our righteousness. Now, dear friends, if we do wrong, we deserve anything we get. If we... If we, if we do evil, if we, if we do that which we know is, is not good, we deserve it. <clears throat> but we have to recognize that people are watching our lives and we have to do well. So ultimately, people looking at us will say, 
you know what? What they're what they're doing, how they're living their life. They're living a righteous life. They're living a righteous life. Uh, sometimes we make, you know, crazy decisions. Sometimes you see people uh, getting into trouble, sometimes just out of ignorance, sometimes just just out of foolishness, just out of ignorance. I read this story about this guy who, who was in France. His name was General Smeedy Butler. He met two soldiers carrying a large uh, soup kettle from the kitchen. And, you know, he, he, he thought, he, he looked at these two guys and he said, give me some of what's in that soup in that kettle. And the soldiers tried to say to him, no, 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 you don't want to do this. He thought they were disobeying him, but he, the soldiers were actually trying to protect the general. He said, scoop me out of some of that's in that kettle. And they scooped him out. He drank of it and spit it all out. It was dishwater. It was dishwater. It was dishwater. The soldiers were trying to protect the, the general, but the general and his foolishness made mistakes. Sometimes the same thing happens in our life, doesn't it? We have to realize we need to protect the, the testimony that God has given us. For it is the will of God that we do well, doing, doing, with well-doing that you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Do we give the enemy material? Do we give the en enemy material? I think of issues in relationships. It talks about here in these next several verses about honor all men. Verse 17, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. What is, what is life? Life is really about relationships, isn't it? It's about, it's about talking to people and being with people. It says honor all men. We should treat all men with some type of respect, shouldn't we? Why should we treat all men with honor? Because every person born is made in the image of God. Every person is born is made in the image of God. They may not look like you. They may not dress like you. They may not vote like you. They may not act like you. But dear friend, we should show respect to people. We should show respect. It says, honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor, honor the king. Those are all relationships. Our relationship with the Savior. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, Whom having not seen, you love, and whom, though you've not seen, seen him not, yet believing, you rejoice with unspeakable, unspeakable and full of, joy and of glory. Our relationship with saints. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, seeing that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Someone said to me tonight, Man, you folks sure do. Uh, hug and 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 uh, and shake hands around here, dear friend. That's just a that's just a a pretaste of glory divine. Think about what's going to happen in heaven. Think of when you hadn't seen your mom in about forty five years and you go see her. You think you're going to say hi and be happy and be and be glad and hug and kiss and cry? Man, think about these old saints. Think about your preacher who used to be here preaching for you. Aren't you going to be glad? The folks, the saints, your family, man, you'll be glad to see them. Your friend, man, that, that's of any folks who should be friendly, of any people should shake hands, if any people who should hug, if anybody should show love, it should be us. It should be us. The world is dog eat dog. I hate you. You hate me. I know you're trying to take from me, and I'm trying to take from you. Christianity church should be a respite it should be a place of grace and mercy and kindness and love and laughter if if the church should be a place of laughter man if you can't laugh in church dear friend you don't have no laughter 
Too, pe- too many people take, their, take things too much too serious. They can't take a joke. They can't laugh. And they wonder why they break down with a, with a, a stroke about 45 years of age because they worry. What's the number one leading cause of strokes and heart attacks? Worry and stress. Because people can't laugh. They can't joke. They just all the time serious all the time. You're, are, do you, the Bible says that, that, that laughter doeth good like a medicine. You take time to laugh and joke and have a good time when it's appropriate. When it's appropriate. Our relationship with the scriptures, some disdain it. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 8, And the stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto you were appointed. Some desire the word as newborn babes. 1 Peter 2, 2, Desire the sensitive milk of the word, they may grow thereby. Some, some, some relationships we have are with the unsaved. Every Christian should have some type of relationship with the unsaved. You see, folks, we're independent. We're not isolationists. We're independent, meaning we're not, we're, not, uh, we're not beholden to any other church. We're independent as a church, but we're not isolationists. We go into the highways and hedges like we did Saturday, like we're going to do on the 3rd, like we're going to do the 10th, and share the gospel with other people. If you don't have acquaintances that are unsaved, how are you going to share the gospel with them? Man, have acquaintances. I had... I know this lady recently, I was had to go down to the doctor and see, it, see her. I had an acquaintance. I wanted to share the gospel with her. I wanted to tell her how she could be saved. Gave them tracts. Well, that only comes through a relationship and getting to know these people and talk to them and, and ask them questions. Do you have people in your life that you're praying for that, are not, that, that you know on a first-name basis that are not saved? You should. You should have a list somewhere. In your Bible, on a piece of paper, of, or somewhere, a list of people that you know by first name basis that you're praying for on a daily basis to be saved. You should, friends. You see, oftentimes we get cold as Christians and get callous as Christians because we're not sharing the gospel with other people. But when you see other people and you see their need, people need the Lord. They're people that are dying and going to hell just like that every second of every day every day for the rest of our lives people are dying do we care we should have a relationship with sinners so we can tell them about jesus christ first peter chapter 2 verse 12 having your conscience honest among gentiles that whereas they speak evil against you they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify god in the day of visitation your relationship with the authorities, we talked about it, our, our need to submit ourselves to every ordinance of man. Our relationship with spouse, we talked about that before too. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, Likewise, you wives, to be in subjection to your own husbands, that if, any, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be one with the conversation of their wives. Your relationship to your boss, servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward, meaning not only to the kind and friendly who give you something that <laughs> at Thanksgiving or your birthday or at Christmas, but also to those who are mean to you, your relationship to Christ, who is our perfect pattern. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, 23, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. Dear friend, we have a relationship. We have a relationship with other people. What is our relationship to the world? When people see our lives and they look upon our lives, what do they see? 
Do they see the same thing, the same way that we act in this room? Is it the same way we act outside this room? Is your deportment, is your lifestyle, is your conversation, is it the same way in this room, outside that room, outside this room? Well, friend, only you and God know the truth. So, dear friend, if it's different, by the grace of God, you should make it as close to a holy place as it is maybe outside in an unholy place. Make it the same. Be genuine. Be transparent. Be honest. Live a life that's unfeigned. Live a life that's not fake. Be true. Be true to God and be true to other people around you. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, you'd help us to be honest about ourselves, about us, about our relationships, whether it be our boss or whether it be our, our, our spouse or whether it be people in our home, whether it be friends or family members. Help us to be honest. Lord, help us to be honest about our Christian life. Do we live lives of integrity? Do we live lives that are honest among people that are watching? We All of us have folks in our lives that, don't know, the, don't know the Lord who look at our lives, maybe neighbors, maybe relatives, maybe friends who see our lives. And I wonder, what do they see? Do they see people who say they're Christians, but by their actions they don't act like Christians? Oh, God, help us. Help us to be different from this world. Help us, Lord, not just to say we're saved, but to act like we're saved. With head bowed, eyes closed, maybe someone in this room say, Preacher, I've been struggling in this area of my life, my own personal life. I know in church I'm supposed to behave. I know I'm, I know I'm supposed to do right. But so, so many times in life I find myself doing things I shouldn't. Maybe at work, maybe at home, maybe at other places. It's easy to be a good Christian in North Gainesville Baptist Church on a Wednesday night or Sunday morning or Sunday night. But how about other places? Say, preacher, I'm struggling in my Christian life. I'm not what I should be. By the grace of God, I need to change some areas. Would you pray for me? Anybody be honest tonight? Anybody be honest? Some areas I need to change. I need to change some areas of my life. Would you pray for me? Anybody at all? I'm struggling with some things, some things in my own personal life that I'm struggling with. I need God to, to change me, Holy Spirit, to work in me, to help me. Dear friend, you cannot do this on your own. It's only through the power of the Holy Ghost in your life is it possible to live for God. Preacher, I'm struggling in some personal areas of my life. Would you pray for me? Amen. God bless you. Anybody else this evening? Anybody else? Anybody else? Let's stand to our feet as the music plays. If God has spoken in your heart, is there anything between you and the Lord this evening? Is there anything between you and someone else this evening? Could you say with all sincerity, with all honesty, I'm right with God? Could you say, I'm right with, any, I've done everything I can to be right with my fellow man. By the grace of God, I can say I have a clear conscience with God and a clear conscience with my fellow man to the best of my ability. If that's true, praise God. But if it's not, maybe you need to come to this old altar and ask God to help you.